Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Sadlin. How's it going, man? Kudos to everyone for an incredible national meet. It was wildly impressive, and uh, I was thoroughly entertained. It was even better when I get got to watch the women's 10K with all of my non-track friends. <laughs> that was thrilling. I, I think this weekend is going to be something... Obviously, we're going to recap it this episode, but I think this weekend is going to have a lot of impact on, on things we talk about over the off season. I, I think it's going to probably take us a while to really grasp the significance of everything, because I mean, obviously we're, we're coming off of this a few days later. So we've had some time to reflect on, on the results a little bit, but like you said, we've also, our heads have been spinning in coaching news, transfer stuff. And, and so it's been hard to focus on all these races and, and the impact of all, all of them um, as much as we probably should. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, um, if you're listening to this, our D2 rankings just came out. D1 rankings are also out. Uh, Mara did a, a great job with that. But D2 team, I think that was probably some of the better work that the D2 team has done as of late. I think they've kind of like some of these athletes have peaked in the postseason. Um, so just shout out to the D2 team. thought they did a really nice job. So, Ben, um, well, first, I guess we should say uh, ratings and reviews. Guys, I'll, I'll make a, a deal with the audience. If we get like an A minus grade from the audience, and I don't know how we're going to get graded, but if we get an A minus grade, you guys leave a rating review. If not, then you don't have to. But I think we're going to get at least a 90% on this podcast today. I think that's fair. Um, I don't know how you guys are going to judge that honor system here. But outside of that, let's focus on the national meet. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the first finals of the weekend, which were the 10K. Um, do you want to start with the men or women? Let's go in the order uh, that they happen. So men first. Okay. So the men. Taking home the win uh, in surprise fashion was Dylan Jacobs of Notre Dame. Uh, finishing second was Alex Meyer. And in third, the clear favorite coming into this race, Abdi Nur. Um it was an interesting race. Um, wasn't super quick at the beginning. Really heated up the last few laps. Um, I, I, I don't think any of us predicted the results would look anything like this with Jacobs and Meyer going one-two. But at the same time, we did see a lot of the favorites um, play big roles. We saw Nur trying to to kick with about what was it, two hundred, three hundred to go. Um, and then we saw uh, Kyoko up there. We saw Wildshut kind of pushing the pace a little bit as well. Uh, the Stanford duo Sprout and Hicks were in there. Um, so, I mean, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with Kyoko pushing it from the beginning? Where, where do you want to go? I think we have to start there because I think we knew that there was going to be a, an aggressive pace set. I don't think that's exactly how we envisioned it. Um, and granted, I, this is this is a separate topic that we'll get to with uh, the women's 10K as well. But um, yeah, it was it was really interesting that that was the approach. And if I remember seeing interview correctly, it wasn't like that was never the plan for Kyoko to do mm -hmm. that. He just kind of, it kind of got carried away and it kind of got away from him. And all of a sudden he found himself out there and he thought, all right, well, just push, 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 push. And he still ha hung on for fifth place. I, I question what happens if he doesn't do that. Who who thrives in that setting? Does this benefit Nur? 
does Jacob still do what he does? Does Meyer still do what he does? I think Mayor, whatever his name is. Um, you know, how, how does this race actually play out for a handful of the guys in there? I, I don't know if it changes at all. I, I really just don't have the interest that. I, I don't know if it really does change. Um, I, I mean, it ended up, obviously, the, the chase pack eventually catches Kyoko um, with about around 7,600. And... So it's a little over 2K of everybody jostling for position at that point. Um, but I, it ended up coming down to the, the last 400. I mean, you look at the final times, Jacobs and my both ran 55-5, basically. And that's what won the day for them. And I mean, the time it isn't slow by any means, 28-12, but it basically came down to whoever had enough strength and enough speed there at the end, because I think if this goes out a little quicker, maybe Nur, Nur takes home the win because he can probably still, still probably would have closed in 57, even if they were going out and ran 2745 or something like that. But I don't know if Jacob, I don't think Jacobson Meyer would have been able to do that. Um, but the way it's set up, it, it just ended up being a kicker's race because all these guys can run 28 flat in their sleep pretty much at this point. Yeah, and that's true. Um, I think this race, though, kind of plays into what I was talking about last week. Jacobs doesn't have the best raw endurance in this field. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily have the best kick. He probably has one of the better kicks, as we obviously just saw. Um, but he's just a really good racer. And this you know, race was not too fast. It wasn't too slow. It was kind of right in the middle. And it kind of was a perfect blend for guys who had a little bit of both. And that's Jacobs. Um, and I, I really think it kind of played into what he was doing um, as a runner. And I think you kind of saw that in this race. Same thing with Mayer. And you, know, you kind of look at his resume and see his mix of talent between the mile going up to the 10K cross country accolades. It favors a lot of this. Um, how silly were we to overlook Meyer, Mayer, whatever it may be? Um, was this because he finished dead last in the 5K at the Indoor National Meet? Was this because everyone else was just so good? Is it a combination of things? Why did we overlook him? I, I think it is a combination of things. I, I think his relative lack of experience at this level is definitely impactful. The, the experience that we did see, like you said, wasn't all that great. Um, and he it, it wasn't like he was, even when he was running fast, he wasn't even finishing really in the top three in a lot of these races. I mean, he did win the 5K at Big 12s, but you look at when he ran his uh, PRs in the 5K and the 10K, he finished seventh and fifth. Um, that doesn't necessarily bode well for someone who is going to be expected to be an all-american um but at the end of the day i i mean he peaked perfectly he had uh i i a question i wanted to, to pose you real quick who who in this field do you think has the best kick like out of like who who are the best kickers in this field before <sighs> before coming in this weekend who would you have said i think we would have said jacobs was probably one of them I, i'd say jacobs would have been one of them maybe um, kieran lum Perhaps. I'd say probably Lum. I think like sneaky, very sneakily Hicks kind of has a pretty decent kick, and at least in a few instances that I have seen as of late. Um, and I think I probably would have said 
Nur just based on pure strength that right. he has. I don't know if I really see like a lot of kicking guys though. I, I don't know if I see that. And I think that's what we underrated. I, I I think when I look back on how we we were previewing this race, we didn't really look through the field and see who the best kickers were. Mm-hmm. Because if we would have, I think Jacobs would have been higher on both of our lists because and, and Meyer as well, I, I possibly as well, uh, because this field is just chock full of strength based guys that unless they were willing to really push the pace hard, weren't necessarily going to be set up in a perfect situation for themselves to win this race, at least. Uh, And I think that's what we ended up seeing. All right, before we go too long in this one, the one guy uh, who you just want to highlight in this field for whatever reason. Um, Let's go with... I I think we should go with Hicks just because he was mm-hmm. running with a bloody nose for most of the time and still yep. finished sixth. Um, I thought this was a good performance from him. I, 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 I've been keeping an eye on the Stanford guys a lot this year, and I think you have been too as we kind of keep an, have one eye towards cross country. And they just keep passing every test. I, I would have liked to seen one of them go with that top three um, a little bit stronger. And I think Hicks probably would have if he didn't have blood streaming out of his nose, which makes me a little uh, upset that we didn't get to see him maybe feeling a little better. But overall, I, I thought they ran him and Sprout Red really good. Um, and I think we're going to see them possibly as the favorites in these in this event next year. If you would have told me uh, that this race was going to play out as it did coming into this race, um, I would have told you that Kieran Lum would have been a top three runner. Yeah. I think it just perfectly uh, meshed his best strengths. He has a great finish. He's just strong. He's been improving. It's not too fast and too out of his realm. Um, and I, I just think it would have uh, favored his his explosiveness. And like you said, there's only a handful of guys who can really kick in this race. Unfortunate that he fell out of that top uh, top eight. I think he felt like 17th, unfortunately. But I think he on on paper this this race really favored him. But these things happen. So. And when you look at it, he was really the only big kicker, more speed guy that didn't have a very good race. Um, right. Everybody else did perform pretty well. Um, all right. You want to head to the women's? Let's do it. So same same event, same story as the men's uh, race. We saw uh, someone take it out fast, run on their own for a while before being caught. Um, Mercy Chilean got ended up taking home the win. Grace Forbes second. Jenna Magnus third. Uh, but it was Haley Herbert who set the tone from the from the get-go, pushing the pace. Um, and, and like Kyoko, hung on for an All-American finish, um, which I thought was really impressive. But unlike Kyoko, I mean, she got away from the field. Yep. Like, she was, I think, stretched her lead to at least 26 seconds at one point, was and running what seemed to be a pretty sustainable pace. Um, she did eventually hit the wall, and start running some 82s, 83s. But it took the field, like, the or the chase pack, really ratcheting up the pace there at the end, um, running some 75s to, to catch up with her. Um, and Chilean got just looked in a different class than everybody else at the end, just flying by, maintaining her speed, um, and no one else could do anything about it. 
Yeah. Um, I, I have a question before I really go into this. Which all-out assault on the pace did you like more? Did you like Hyoko more? Did you like Herberg more? I liked Herberg's because it wasn't so it wasn't crazy fast, and it, and she actually opened up like a huge gap. Like it, it real she really forced them to come get her rather than like wait for her to fade in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and this is kind of what I said in like our first thoughts article. Everyone, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw the quote graphic. Um, you know, there was no Nichols in this race. There was no Zarbo. There was no Ryan. There was no Fagans. There was no Tui. There was no Roe. There's no Volby, who you know has never obviously Roe and uh, Tui and Volby have not contested the 10K. But like, if there was ever a time to do this, now was the time. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying it was the most effective strategy. But she still got seventh, and I kind of always have the mentality, listen, second place is obviously better than eighth place, but everything in between is still an all-American finish, all the same, sort of. And and so if you're going to go out and take a risk, go do it. Especially in this field, I kind of liked it. But it just feels right that Chalangot got this title. It just just feels – it would have been so odd – if she went all this time without a 10K title. Also, she's coming back, by the way. She still has another year of eligibility. I know, which is crazy. <laughs> it's just It feels like she's been around for so long, and I guess it's just because she's been so competitive from the get-go. I know. That, that COVID year, man, that'll do it. But yeah, it, it just feels right. I'm happy for her because I think she deserved a 10K title. Yeah, and she's been knocking on this door of, of winning a, a track title for a while. Um, and... Like you said, it wasn't the best field, especially when Lauren Gregory, I think, ended up dropping out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she just never looked very comfortable. Um, and when it was just Grace Forbes and Chilane got, you had to favor Chilane got by a lot. And she ended up um, proving that point very with an exclamation mark. But I, I thought everybody else behind her were like ran exceptionally well. Like it, it's hard to dislike what any of these runners did a lot of them very inexperienced in this event or at nationals grace forbes finally putting it together showing what we thought she could do since her freshman year in this event um validating that with a second place finish jenna magnus picking up the 10k late but running under 33 um doing everything i think we both expected of her and emily covert i mean continuing her great season in this event it's hard to you look down the list, the top eight, you can you could be really happy with each of their races. Yeah, I think if you like look at our predictions, most of us are pretty good. Like I, I we really nailed this. I don't want to say it's it was like a super predictable race. Like shout out to uh to Charlotte Denat uh Denat uh, I'm or Danit maybe. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm butchering that name. Eighth place, you know, she really snuck in there. But even some of the names who fell off, who a lot of us liked, like Everlyn Kemboy or Jessa Hansen or India Johnson or Amelia Mazadowney, you know, those women were still ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. You know, like they were just they were right there. Uh, Maggie Donahue in twelfth um, or thirteenth, excuse me. So, you know, this I don't think was probably of, of all the distance events. I think this was probably the lightest field. Um, yeah. But at the same time. Um, I think if you look at the results and compare them to the predictions, the best names, the best women emerged on top. And that's a good sign. That means like, you know, our, our understanding and of this field was correct, generally speaking. And 
the best woman really did come away with the best results. Yeah, I mean, Gregory was the only big surprise in this race. Right. Um, for you, uh, how does this impact the way you see Chilang got? I mean, obviously, she hadn't had that track title we've mentioned. Does this really change the way you see her career going into her final year of eligibility? Yeah, good question. Um, I I think in in this era there's been so many stars, right? There's been Danny Jones, there's been Courtney Wayman and Whitney Orton and now Caitlin Tuohy. I think this now forces us to at least have Chalanga in that conversation because she has a cross-country title. Now she has a 10K title, multiple All-American honors in really fast times. Um, so I, I think she's kind of forced to be put into that conversation. Yeah, I mean, she's checked every box, and I, I feel like we we underrated her a little bit coming into this. I, I don't know if it was we just didn't expect her to be able to kick against uh, women like Gregory if it turned a little tactical. But, I mean, she just looks so much better than everybody else that it's hard for me to think that we thought anybody else would win this race coming into it. Yeah, I think it's very easy to undervalue and underrate someone like Chalanga in this era where, you know, she is clearly in the A tier, uh, you know, with, you know, some of these superstars that we've been talking about, but she's probably like in the A minus tier where she's going to win a title, multiple as we've seen, but she's not Caitlin Tui or Danny Jones. Uh, and that's not a knock on Chalanga. It's just, you know, those women are now all time superstar greats. Chalanga just now has to, you know, get to that next point. And the crazy part is that she probably, not probably, she might get there next year. Mm-hmm. Could get there next year. Um, so she still has that extra year, and, and that could be interesting. Uh, real quick, who's your unsung hero in this field? I loved Gabby Hentman. She was she was someone I've talked about multiple times and picked her as an All-American. She came through, finished sixth. I thought ran an extremely smart race, ran at PR. Um, I felt like she checked a lot of the same boxes that Jenna Magnus did just at at a slightly lower level. And I think that came to fruition. Um, Both of them ran smart races, PR'd, even though they had it uh, uh, pretty much because they hadn't run this event at a very high level very often. Um, And they just came together. They're great racers and they did it at the right time. Um, And and so I I love seeing Hentman uh, finish sixth in this race. I knew that was going to be your answer, but I just wanted to to mention Hetman because I feel like it yeah. would be ridiculous if we didn't. So um, I will. I you pretty much just said everything that that I wanted to. Um, but yes, all right. Let's move off the 10k. Let's now look into what do we have next? Yeah, the That's men's 1500. Which... Oh boy! Woo! <laughs> man! All right, we're gonna we might have to set a time limit on ourselves on this because <laughs> I I feel like we could go down a few rabbit holes here. So let's start let's talk, with let's, you, let's talk well, about the prelims first. Okay, prelims. Uh any there there wasn't a ton of surprises other than there being a lot of surprises at the top. <laughs> and that's SIE and Iliad kept saying two, I think that almost everybody had in the top three, if not top five in the predictions. You had the collegiate record holder in Kipsang, Asai, who looked fantastic at regionals. Both did not qualify, leaving what we thought Mario Garcia-Romo as the clear favorite in this race. 
And also, I mean, now looking back, took away two people that might have been the only two people that would have pushed the pace in this final. And that contributed to what we saw in the finals. Um, SAE obviously taking a step off the track with what was it, 100 to go? Yep. Uh, And kept saying just never looking really comfortable in his prelim. Man. (laughs) Man, like... it, it's you know it's funny everyone you know i'm sure there will be people who are like oh well you guys you know didn't predict it no one could have predicted that no one like i mean like like south carolina could have known that he was going to step off with 100 meters to go and even they couldn't have predicted that like it's it's just insane um which I one think surprised with, you more anas say yeah um, i think kip saying you you, there, there's a world where you could predict it where it's like maybe he doesn't lead it and then he just doesn't look great and and he gets out kicked in maybe a slower heat but like there was no world where i saw sie not qualifying yeah i mean there's like with with kip saying it's like you know he's coming off of that post regionals there's some illness there right yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to to balance between like hey this guy, like, you know, you don't you don't want to give someone too much leeway for not making out of a prelim that they should have. But you also have to remember that, like, this guy's still, like, relatively speaking, really young within the NCAA realm. He still has freshman eligibility, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. And it's like, yeah, he may not be the best tactical runner, but on the other hand, he's probably the most naturally gifted 1500 mirror runner in this field. Oh yeah. And it's it's so hard sometimes to like try to figure out where to properly gauge and talk about him cuz you want to reward him for just being like aerobically the best ever. Not the best ever in collegiate history. Yeah. 1500 meters. Man, the tactics do have to get better. Um it's just if he does I mean there's he no one will stop him but um that that stinks. And us I, I mean we don't really know anything about him. I mean, we know that he went to the Olympics, ran 334, and that he was pretty much undefeated in almost every race that he was in this year. I think everything yeah. except prelims. So, but there's, there's, we still don't know a lot about his racing style, tendencies, like progression, things like that. So with SAE, I think there was a lot more unknown, which created more surprise. Yeah, I... I mean, when he came back after not running at SECs and ran well at regionals, we the the injury or whatever there was, it, it seemed like that had resolved itself. And for for him to obviously something flared up or or the the race just didn't go the way he wanted. Whatever happened for him not to qualify was a stunner. But let's let's move on and let's talk about the final. We saw Joe Wascom take home the win, beating Mario Garcia-Romo and Sam Ellis. Um, This race went out very slow. We had a 67-second second lap, and then it was a hard close. And I I think we need to – I mean, do you want to start at the beginning, or do you want to start about the move uh, that the Washington men made near the middle of the race? (sighs) Um, Well, towards the tail end, right? Yeah, towards, like, the last lap, I guess. Right. Um, 
Well, let's just jump there because ultimately I think the summary of this race leading up to that point, leading up to this last 300 meters is Mario Garcia Romo basically controls this race from the front, keeps it slow. And anyone who tries to get in front of him, he just surges past Mm -hmm. and makes sure that that the pace is slow, which favors him. And people just kind of let him do it, which was surprising. Just like indoors, pretty much. Yeah. A great point. Just like indoors. I don't know if people think like, oh, I can outkick Mario Garcia Romo, especially if he's in front of me, um, which I think is an odd maybe approach or mindset, but whatever it may be, um, everyone, uh, and maybe I wouldn't have agreed with them now, except if you're Joe Wascom. So what was it? With 250 to go, Washington men make a surge. But then Wascom really makes a surge pretty much at 200. He gets to the lead at the bend. Garcia Romo gets tucked in. He gets caught on the on the, uh, on the the rail, can't get out. And ultimately, Wascom pulls away, gets the win. Garcia Romo can't uh, catch him, basically. On a scale of 1 to 10. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're, you're good. Go, go ahead. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that Wascom won that title? Oh, like 10. Like Ten, he was, right? he was, he was not, there was no world where I thought any of the Washington men were going to win. I had, I had so many people ahead of them, not to say that they couldn't have done well. I, I think I picked a few of them to be all Americans, but I did not see them winning this race. Any of them winning this race for Wascom to outkick Romo. And, and when you look at it, Garcia Romo had the fourth fastest last lap, which is pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Um, there, there were some guys who were going toe to toe with him at the end, but the biggest move was Washington basically getting Romo stuck on the rail. Because yes. if Romo doesn't, if he gets off that rail, I think he ends up winning. I agree. I, I think the what what Romo did was very smart through I think the first like 1200 but as soon as that big move happened from Washington he just did not react quick enough and and I I, there was nowhere for him to go like right like if he didn't make a move as soon as they passed him there wasn't going to be another opportunity until what ended up being like 50 meters and then he was out of real estate um and that's a split second judgment that you can't really fault him for not making because he it, it was probably a surprise for him to see what they were doing. And he probably figured that he could still salvage it at the end. But there was just too many guys because the pace was so slow that were gunning for that top spot that he, there was no daylight for pretty much anybody that was along the rail with 200 to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was a coordinated effort. It certainly kind of looked, like looked like it. It kind of looked like it. Um, it that was awesome. It was so much fun. And I, I promise you, everyone, go on YouTube, type Watch in twenty twenty two, Pac twelve outdoor fifteen hundred meter finals, and then watch the NCAA fifteen hundred meter finals. It is the exact same finish. Goes at the, he makes his move at the same point in the race, takes the lead at the same point, pulls away at the same point, gets the win at the same point. Like it is crazy how identical those wins are, like to a T. 
And I don't think I've ever seen someone pull away at 200, 250 and have it be so effective for them as much as Joe Wascom. Usually the moves happen at like, you know, 200, 250 and everyone gets a little too excited. And then someone who goes at 150 or 100 gets them. Usually what happens. But for Wascom, it was, I mean, it's a wildly impressive finishing strength. And that's why I, I feel like we should have been more prepared for this. Like we, we saw him do this at Pac 12s. And I, I remember us talking last week about like who's gonna push the pace here. Like who who is going to be that guy who maybe goes from a little further out? And we thought that maybe it's Garcia Romo is maybe the only guy who's really gonna push things from like six hundred out. Uh and and he didn't. I mean, the pace definitely quickened the last uh, 600 but there wasn't that real hard push to get away from the rest of the field and that just left so many people there and when you got someone like Wascom who has practiced doing this exact kind of race and is obviously very good at it I, I don't think we should have been quite a surprise because there there really weren't a whole lot of people especially without Kip saying and SIU in this field that were ever going to make this a very honest effort well, you know, Bastion, Isaac Bastion took over, he kind of, he kind of went to the lead. He kind of made like an early jump at around like 450 to yeah. go. Um, I, I, I'm going to have a really hot take here. I think if Bastion waits from 250, 300 to go, um, he wins the national title. Maybe because he did go again he at tried like to 150 again. and he, he made up a little ground, but then hit hit the wall real hard with about 50 meters to go. I I don't know. I don't know if you're wrong there. Like I, I I think he definitely benefited a lot from this kind of race. And if he had been more patient, I mean, maybe if he just waits to move with the Washington guys, he probably ends up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and really a lot of this is like, you know, in a field that's so crowded like that, if you just, don't your goal is to not get boxed in, not get blocked, not have to run excessive distance, which the Washington men made sure of. They got ahead of that probably yeah. by 50 or 25 meters. Um, you know, Bastion, Bastion worked really hard throughout the entirety of that last, you know, lap and a quarter. So, um, yeah, but kudos to him for, for making that effort. Kudos to the Washington men. Nathan Green, by the way, Washington, by the way, Three All-Americans, the winner, I think Luke Hauser in fifth, and then yeah. Nathan Green in seventh. Man, you know, we talk about, you know, Ben Thomas at Oregon a lot, and rightfully so. We talk about some of these other distance programs and all of their sub-four milers, but man, Washington, not only do they have that like long list of sub-four guys, but they just had three All-Americans. That's incredible. Andy Powell knows what he's doing. It's impressive. All right. Any final notes from this race? Um, I really liked what we saw from Thomas Van Open. I mean, he was a guy that we both really liked coming into this and, and he pretty much did exactly what I, I kind of thought he would. Um, I thought it was a really good run from him. Um, and I'm really interested to see what we get from a lot of these young guys over the next few years. I mean, you look at the Washington guys, none of them are, are upperclassmen. Um, at least eligibility wise. And then you guys, you got guys like Adam Spencer, um, who's a freshman. I I think we're going to see some real 1500 meter stars blossom 
um, from the from this uh, final list here. Shout out to Sam Ellis, Princeton. Probably you could argue that relative to expectations, outside of Joe Wascom, he had the best the best uh, national meet performance of this fifteen hundred meter field relative to expectations. Um, third place, uh, right, I think he ran three thirty seven in the prelims, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he was awesome. He was awesome. So uh, watch out for a little bit of news on him. Just watch out. <laughs> those, I, those Ivy League guys can't stay for all can't that extra forever. eligibility. Yeah. Um, all right. We're ready to move on to the women's 1500? Yes. All right. Taking home the win in the women's 1500 was T- Cinteo Visa in a time of 413, edging out Julia Haymack. Um, oh, sorry. Am I looking? I'm looking at the wrong one. Um, I am looking at the prelims. Hold, please. Um, I'll insert like elevator music at this yeah. portion. Gosh darn it. Why did I click on that? Do, right do you want me to do you want me to pull up? I got it here. All right. No, I got it now. Sorry. Okay. Um, taking home the win, Santea Visa in a time of 409, beating Michaela de Janeiro, uh, and Christina Aragon in third. This was uh, another really interestingly run race. Um, and I think Visa's patience um, and just the way she she ran this uh, tactically was super smart. De Janeiro threw in a, a hard charge with what, what was it, like 200, 250 to go? Uh, yeah, 250, I'd say, yeah. And it looked like her patented kick was going to take the day again. Uh, I mean, she did have the fastest lap, uh, final lap of the race, but she was just coming from a little further back than than a lot of the other runners. I mean, she was almost a full second behind Visa coming into that final lap, and that ended up being the difference. Um, Chrissy Gear pushed the pace early, um, definitely made it a very honest effort. And... I don't know. We saw some interesting performances from some new newbies at this level. Shannon Flockhart looked really good running 4.11. Yushala Chepkemi continuing her great year. I mean, Emily McKay doing the same, getting to her first NCAA final and finishing sixth. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it came down to two of the women that we had circled beforehand. So if you look at our predictions, um, it's everyone predicting... Sinteu Visa and me predicting De Janeiro. <laughs> and I can't say, I'm like, she's going down the back straightaway. I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> and for a second, I'm like, did she get her? And of course it's Visa. Um, man, I, I just, I, I think Visa needs to be commended. I, I'll, I'll say this. I think Visa had the strongest race. I mm-hmm. think she just showed, because she was really up there for a good portion of this race. Like she was maybe not the one always leading, but she was always the one kind of in the mix. Right. And she just kind of held her ground and she didn't relent off of whatever someone put in front of her. I think she ran the strongest race. I think De Janeiro ran the smartest race. She was in the back pretty much completely out of it for almost the entirety of this race comes out of nowhere, bursts through. She knows that she has the best kick in the field. She knows. And and she executes on it um, and nearly gets rewarded. I mean, she is a stride late, really, from being a national title winner. So um, I, I, you know, I, I, I 
looked through this field, I think the note as I'm as I'm taking notes through this final, my note was, is it weird that everyone in this race ran well? Like no one in this race like had a poor performance. Is that wrong? No, I mean I I maybe had a little bit higher expectations for Haymack, but finishing yeah. fifth, like I mean that's not a bad race. I I think everyone, maybe Olivia Howell, I, I I maybe expected her to finish a little higher up as well. But and Ellie Leather is probably the other only other name. But none of them ran poorly. All of them ran fast. What what were your thoughts on Chrissy Gear pushing the pace early? So odd. Didn't expect it. Even in the even in the slightest, I think, you know, I think was I think there was a visa who was maybe in a in a post race interview. I forget where this was, what the quote was specifically, but I think you know her quote was she was not expecting gear to go to the front, and when someone who wins the national title is surprised that someone else went to the front, um, you know, especially that's kind of someone that runs in your conference as well. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, I don't know why that was. I thought she would have benefited from a more tactical race for something a little more speed oriented. She's got good, you know, got good 800 meter history there. So I don't really know. Um, kind of confused me, but she ran what for? She got fourth place. Like, how can you, I'm not going to question someone who ultimately outperforms expectations. Yeah. I mean, it ended up working out decently well for her. I, I thought she, held on valiantly. I I thought there was a chance that she was just going to get swarmed in that last hundred. Um, But she held it together, uh, ran a 62 second last lap, looked, looked very strong for the majority of the race. Um, But I I think that what visa did where she was just so patient, she waited for everyone to kind of throw their fastball and then just hung on to De Janeiro when she try to just fly by everybody and then just push her and have her final kick and held on to it late. I, I thought that was incredibly smart. I know you think De Janeiro ran a smart race and I do too, but I, I just think Visa ran it exactly the way you want to when you know you aren't necessarily the quickest in the field. She just kept herself in the perfect position to give herself a chance at getting this win. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that she didn't run a smart race or that there wasn't like a, a good approach to that there certainly was. It was obviously the most beneficial approach. Um, I just think that no one understands themselves and the field mm-hmm. better than De Janeiro. And I will stick to my guns on that. Um, Christina Aragon, let's just have a feel good moment here. Yeah. This is a girl who just, she struggled with injuries and setbacks and, you know, had all these, you know, challenges in past years, but also at the same time, like she has this crazy string of all American finishes, like four years in a row in the 1500 meters. Not sure how all of that correlates, but ultimately it's, it's just cool to see, right? She was so consistent all year. She got better as the season went on and she now has a bronze medal, which I think is her highest uh, ever it's just a really solid career that I think is going to be underappreciated in an era where Stanford had a lot of really talented women, but Aragon, um, that was awesome. It was just, it was just nice to see her, you know, have her moment for a little bit. Yeah, I was looking and that is her highest ever finish. She's had four all American uh, performances in the 1500. I, I mean, an incredible display of just 
it's hard to say consistency because she, she hasn't always like she's dealt with injuries dealt with different things but when she's healthy and running well i mean she's as good of a lock as anybody to perform well in a final and that's exactly what she did finishing third over overperforming expectations nearly running a pr um and, and just looking really strong the season that she's had this year has been incredibly fun to watch um because she's running as well as she has at any point in her career um and it'll be fascinating to see what she does post post stanford because i I mean if she can stay healthy she clearly has the talent she clearly has the tactical wherewithal to compete with almost anyone in the country yeah she's on like a high momentum streak right now and i think that's going to benefit her um in the future so absolutely anybody else you want to highlight before we move on uh no not a ton you know like i said i think yeah excuse me i think like we already mentioned julia haymack um a little bit of a not so great race but it's hard to be disappointed by a 410 it's also a girl who ran 404 at the olympic trial so yeah trying to balance expectations is a little tricky but no like i, I just really enjoyed her like watching her like throughout the collegiate career thought she was really underrated um and i think Everyone really kind of got on the bandwagon these last you know year and a half or so. Um, so kudos to her; she was she was awesome. Would have loved to see her cap her career with the title because I, I think her talent deserved that. But ultimately, she she's been an incredible runner and 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 has incredible range. Um, and, and we saw that pretty much over the last almost in every race over the last few years. So. commend her um but let's move on to the race that i've dreaded the most to talk about can't wait the men's steeplechase i'll just seed the floor to my podcast partner hey you yeah you listen to this podcast polar express here hey i'm talking ben not right now i told you a year ago I told you earlier this year, I told you at the beginning of the season, I told you before the national meet, I said Ahmed Jaziri has the most firepower in this field, he's the best talent in this field, and that he's going to win a national title. I was right. And the dog agrees. All right? I was right. And I've, I've never felt so strongly about something, and to have it finally come through feels great. Now, that said, Shout out to Ben, because on this podcast, Ben said, I think it's going to be faster than 8.23. It's always faster. Everyone peaks in the postseason. I said, Ben, so many things can happen. So much has to happen. No, I don't see that happening. Well, yeah, I was incredibly wrong. I feel like everyone and their mom ran under 8.23. So um, my apologies to Ben. It's a win-win, really, I like to think in this podcast. So, Ben, I hope I did you justice. Yeah, I think that's a fair representation of our respective predictions going into this steeplechase. Um, I, I thought that Jazzy was certainly capable of winning, but I just thought there were so many other guys in this race um, and, and who had better experience, um, who had also run pretty quick times that, that he was not going to win. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was an extraordinarily quick race. I think it was probably the quickest steeplechase in history 
We saw uh, five guys run under the world championship standard, which was something a few, I I know Duncan Hamilton had highlighted during the prelims uh, that that was a goal for, for him. And he ran an extraordinarily great race. He led it that he's the reason why it was as quick as it was. Um, And it's really hard to look at anybody in this race and say they ran poorly. I think everyone had, Pretty much everyone ran a PR in the top eight, and it was the top eight that we all kind of expected it to be. It, it, it I mean, the I think a lot of us maybe had different predictions on who the winner would be, but at the end of the day, we nailed who was going to be in that discussion to win. I have, uh, so this is my fifth spring track season uh, with TSR. Um, seventh, I think, overall uh, with writing and covering NCAA. Never have I once had, you know, our team, myself, whatever it may be, had a better understanding of what a field was going to look like, who the steeplechase finalists, who the All-Americans, who the title winners were going to be than this field. Um, This is easily the best we've ever understood um, an event. And I'm I'm actually like a little surprised that it went this chalk, especially in an event that is so variable. Like no one fell, no one fell. Not the nice. I, I thought it was going to happen with like I, I like well going into that last lap. I was like they're all going so fast, they're all running PR pace. Something's going to happen, and and nothing ever did. It was impressive. I, I just I'm just shocked that it went that smoothly it just it never does that the fact that we were like <laughs> it's crazy we were like okay here are seven title contenders and just just for the heck of it who would we want to give that eighth spot to and you and i both said kenneth rooks and guess what it was kenneth rooks i mean you you literally cannot get any more spot on than that this like wildly makes up for the joe Wascomness. yes yeah, I mean, we could not have predicted this any better. I, the The top eight were exactly who we thought, and they were clearly the top eight. There was mm-hmm. a huge gap. I mean, there was a, a what, eight second gap between eighth and ninth, um, and, and they all were competitive for a lot of this race. Um, and, and you could really see that they were in a different class. And this is probably one of the sp- like specialist groups of steeplechasers that we've ever seen it was hard to pick anybody specifically out of this group because probably because of that um but you look at what they've done and you look at the and the the times after the fact you realize what a special group we had this year this was wildly unique and i think we need to give a lot of credit to duncan hamilton i mean this guy was like i'm gonna be the one who goes out and makes things aggressive I'm going to be the one who pushes the pace. I'm going after the world standard and I'm going to try to drop guys who are like five of which, as we saw four others, I guess are all capable of going under the world standard. I mean, that takes a lot of guts and after running so fast in the prelims to get his teammate in, which I still don't totally understand. It worked, but I don't totally understand it. But regardless, he's, he was awesome this spring season. He delivered constantly and I think he was rewarded nicely in our rankings. So, And looking at it, we could see three, maybe four of these guys at the World Championships, which, mm-hmm. which is 
pretty crazy um, to, to see in one race. Um, anybody else you wanted to highlight before we move on? I mean, shout out to the Minnesota guys. They were great. Rooks was, I mean, like it was, it was all what you would expect. Levi Taylor at eight thirty three steeple, and you're not even the fastest steeplechaser on your team. That that stinks, man. Um, but he had a great season. Um, the fact that he's not an All American, it kind of a bummer. I think a couple of people thought of him as a sleeper pick, and rightfully so. Yeah. But no, I, I, you know, I don't want to keep harping on this event because it'll just be kind of like you know boosting our own egos so yeah we can only pat ourselves on the back for so long right right all right let's move on to the women's steeplechase where we saw utter domination by courtney Wayman running a championship record um a collegiate is it collegiate record as well nine sixteen oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um to dominate this field kaylee delay finishing second 925 kaylee mccabe finishing in third 931 uh, again this whole field with the exception of two people ran prs it was an extraordinarily quick race and i was so happy i was a little concerned with wayman after the prelims where she kind of let up and i was like hmm Maybe just file that away if something right. happens in the finals. So I was so thrilled to see her look this good, run the collegiate record. And I think this there could not be a more fitting way for her to go off uh, to leave the NCAA than this performance. Because this, more than anything that she's done, shows the quality and the caliber of a runner that we all knew she was. But it was hard for us to point to anything. I think to really measure that, this is the measuring stick for from which we'll be able to talk about her for the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, the craziest part is that Delay has like a su- somewhat semi-realistic shot at that record next year. It, it would It's a stretch, but it's not an unrealistic stretch. It was number um, three all time, right? Number three all time, collegiately. Yeah. So... Um, it's it's crazy because, like you said about Wayman, Delay didn't look that good in the prelims. I think she was also a time qualifier. Yep. Um, I'll I'll say it. I think this was probably one of the most impressive distance races that we had. It was also the most boring. Um, it yeah. was go out, run really hard, and let's just see what happens. But this was much like the men's race. Like if you didn't run a PR you weren't going to be an All-American. And even if you did get a PR, there was no guarantee that you were going to be an All-American. In a, in a national championship field, that's incredible. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, like, you know, I said, like, oh, like every woman in this race in the 1,500 meters ran really well. Pretty much everyone in the in the women's steeple, with the exception of maybe Camelli, who yeah. still ran 941, like, which is crazy quick, you know, they all ran well. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was happy for a lot of these women. I was also kind of bummed that so many of these women rightfully ran as fast as they did and, but just didn't get the all American, uh, bid. Yeah. Like Grace Featherstone running nine thirty seven, running a PR, Olivia Marcus, Marcus running nine thirty five, not being an all American. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that we saw Madison Borman, run 933 she was someone that i thought maybe had the best chance at at taking down wayman and i think if things were a little bit slower 
than and it turned it a little bit more of a kicker's race than I, I think she might have had a, an interesting shot. But the way Weymouth ran it, I think was perfect. She made it so that there was no chance anybody else was going to be able to win this race besides her, barring a fall. And I, I think it, we're, we could see a dramatically different kind of race and a dramatically different kind of result next year um, because we won't have someone making it so fast. Kaylee DeLay could end up being better next year and not finishing nearly as high as she did this year in this race. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I just, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're not going to see like sub 930 win in most years. And so why would, why would delay not win? if, if she's better yeah. next year, why would she wait? Why would she just not go from the front? Like she pretty much did this race. Well, and she could, but I'm just saying there's a chance that if she doesn't do that and it becomes a little bit more tactical, then even if she is better, we could see a little bit of a different kind of result. Yeah, yeah. I I do think tactical races leave most of those favorites at least semi-vulnerable. Yeah, Yeah. unless you're De Janeiro. Um, But yeah, okay, that's... I I semi-follow you. Um, (laughs) I don't know how much I would follow... I don't know how much I would personally agree with that, but I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to say more about this field, but like everyone just ran well and they ran fast and that's it. Like, Yeah, I, I don't really have anything else. I My kind of underdog or sleeper was Adva Cohen. She ran great, 935, yep. finished eighth. Thought maybe she could have finished a little bit higher, but I, I mean, you can't say that she had a bad race. She ran extraordinarily well as did everyone else in this field. Um, anything else before we move to the 800s? I just want to say that my theory of if you give me two Oregon State runners, I can make one of them an All-American. We got that with Kaylee Mitchell in six, running 940, uh, yep. 934, and Grace Featherstone in 10th, still running 937, which is insanely quick. Um, but yeah, that's just, my theory continues to hold true. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the men's 800, which was a fascinating race. We saw Brandon Miller take it out pretty quick, and we saw Mohad Zahafi take home the win. Um, Navaski Anderson ended up dipping Miller at the line to finish second, and we saw a revival of sorts from one Jason Gomez um, in this championship, running extraordinarily well over this weekend and finishing fourth ultimately. But this race was all about Moad Zahafi and the way he was able to run and finish this race in particular was incredibly impressive. Yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say. I mean, it's. Like for me, I think everyone was like, okay, we have three title contenders. Yeah. But in my opinion, and I had this in my predictions, Zahafi was the best. He was the best option. Um, you know, he had run 143, he had run 144 in the regional meets. And I just, you know, I just thought he looked okay. Like as long as he like was healthy enough, which he had shown us going into this national meet. I didn't have any reason to doubt him. Um, I didn't, you know, think we had a ton of encouraging incentives going into this national meet for Miller. He improved his stock, mm-hmm. I think. Um, 
but I also just didn't I, I thought it would take for for me, Zahafi's a front runner. Anderson is a great kicker. Yeah. Um but when Zahafi has the aerobic edge and the PR edge, you have to be able to run with him when he makes his move. And I thought Anderson almost did. Like he 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 yeah. was he was pushing it. Um I, I was I came away extraordinarily impressed with him. I thought he ran really well. Uh, but yeah, Zahafi was in a separate league than everybody else. Yeah. I, I don't have anything more to say about that top three. Like you said, Jason Gomez was awesome though. That was awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, the back half of this field was almost more interesting. Gomez finishing fourth, Dolan fifth, uh, Dayton Carlson sixth. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting how that all shook up a lot of them running PRs. Um, a, a lot of new faces, to this like 800 NCAA scene um, and, and for them all to run in the 146s. Um, I thought it was really interesting performances from them. I, I don't think we necessarily have our next superstar out of this group. I could be proven wrong, but I think a lot of these guys are going to be in this all American mix for the, for the next few years. Yeah. A lot of these guys, I just, <sighs> You know, a, a lot when you know you look at next superstars, they usually come out pretty early, if not their yeah. freshman year, then usually sophomore year. Um, and that's not to say that Sam Robin won't improve or Carlson won't improve. Um, but it, it, you know, even going from one forty six to like a one forty four, one forty five, usually one forty four nowadays. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot, but. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this, this field is exactly what we thought it was going to be. It was going to be the three favorites, and it was kind of going to be everyone else. Like, maybe a few guys that we liked here or there. Dolan continues to deliver. Um, like, suddenly going from being a miler to a 800-meter uh, runner, mm-hmm. and he's now an All-American in both. Um, like, sneaky good fact there. So, um, yeah, shout out to Dolan, but for the most part, Pretty pretty straightforward race in my eyes. I agree. You want to move on to the women's? Yep, let's do it. Alrighty, and we saw an, a, a similar tactic from Aaliyah Miller pushing the pace hard to start this race, but she was not able to hold on like she did uh, when she won her NCAA championship. Instead, we saw Christy Schofield run two hundred one to take home the win. McKenna Keegan, a hard charging. McKenna Keegan taking home second and Gabiha Galavidite running third. Uh, PRs from, I think, almost pretty much everybody in that top three. Maybe Keegan uh, running a season's best, but really strong performances from all these women. The 800 broke my brain coming into this uh, NCAA championships because I just had no idea. And at the end of the day, you can't be super surprised by this group but i don't know if you could have been surprised by any of these top eight women finishing in any order yeah i mean you kind of look at the finalists in this uh in the final the 800 finals like showfield we said was going to con- uh contend for the title um you said keegan would galvedite would barrett would hendrick would i think some of us were on the fence about to bias i think we said mm-hmm. probably not uh, sixth place. So Olivia uh, miller yes katie mcdonald yes some of us were split on gabrielle wilkinson but like you kind of look at this field and it's it's very much like 
some of these other prelim or finals that we've seen where I was like, yeah, these are kind of the people that we expected to be in the mix. A lot like the steeplechase. Like mm-hmm. these are the women that we expected. Um, Showfield was awesome though. Like for as good as she was and for as much of us saying that she could be a title contender, she was probably not in my first four or five picks. Yeah. If you had it, if you had a, you know, forced me to choose, she was awesome. Her reaction afterwards was awesome. Super uh, heartfelt. That was so cool. Um, but she just looked so strong. It was so impressive. Like, to to follow someone, to, follow, to to lead the chase pack, catch the leader, and then pull away still, that takes a tremendous amount of strength. Um, so I applaud her. I think after she ran her prelims was when I realized... Okay, yeah, she just might might be better than everybody. Like she, yep. I was a little nervous. She'd run the fast time, so I was a little nervous about how that would uh, play out at NCAA's. But she showed no fear. She was pretty much spot on with her tactics throughout the whole weekend, and, and I mean, fully deserved this win. This was not a fluke. She's someone that will be a very interesting competitor at the U.S. Championships. Um, and, and I'm thrilled to see like her, I, is, is this ending her career this way? Is it, does she have any more eligibility? Uh, I thought she did. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know if she has indoor eligibility. Okay. But she, I mean, she, she's been around for a little bit. She's, she's shown these flashes and it was so good to see, see that potential really come through. Um, and as for Keegan, we, we've both really liked her since indoor she had a great indoor championships as well but i I mean she's so smart she was so patient and that final kick there at the end was incredible um i i didn't think that she had a ceiling this high i thought if she cracked the top five in this field i would have been i thought that would have been a good race for her to for for her to finish second what was probably the biggest surprise out of any of these results in this 800 yeah, her um, skill set, kind of like Navaski Anderson's, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. Feels like he's going to, you know, always be up there. You're not entirely sure if he's going to win the title, but he has a great, great kick. At least in this race in particular, that's what we saw with Keegan. Um, but she's been so reliable for so long. I would have liked her to have a title. Um, may just you know obviously never got there um but you know when you know you're still kind of like the 800 meter version of jetta magnus or lauren gregory there are far worse comparisons oh, like, yeah. that's, that's great company to be in I, I think she was probably one of the most reliable middle distance stars in an era of 800 meter runners that has been wildly impressive so shout out to keegan uh real quick sarah hendrick Interesting approach. Mm-hmm. Fifth place overall, solid, which is a solid finish. I, I'm certainly not going to knock fifth place finish. Um, she went out super, super hard at the indoor national meet. Didn't quite work out for her. Um, Aaliyah Miller goes out in this race super hard. Surprised by her approach because she never really put herself at the front. She never put herself at the front of the chase pack. And she kind of relied on some some finishing speed. I don't know if you want to say that a fifth place finish is what she wanted, but it's not terrible either. 
what like what are your thoughts it was a safer approach and i think after coming off that indoor performance i i wonder if she wanted to just test herself in a different mm-hmm. way and, and that's really what she did I, th- I think she was seventh at the bell um and she ended up having one of the quicker final laps um and, and i think that kind of proves to her that she can be very competitive in either scenario i i think if she uh, maybe she missed an opportunity to run with Miller and just go with her and that she would have been able to get really go out really fast, but at the same time, not have to lead. Um, maybe if she knows that coming into it, she decides to do that. But at, at the end of the day, fifth place is very good performance. And, and I think more than the fifth place performance or, is that she can now feel comfortable running whatever style race she wants to because she knows she can. I like that. That's a good thought process. Yeah, I think, I don't know if she's maybe going to be this conservative again, mm-hmm. but I could certainly see her being a little bit more balanced at these national meets. I think you're right. This was a safer approach, um, maybe benefits her long-term. Um, I don't totally hate it. Um, I, I would have thought, hey, maybe, maybe be a little more aggressive at certain points, maybe make a you know a kind of more of a statement move at certain points if she could. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I mean, at at a certain point, like this field is so stacked that someone has to be at the back end all American spots. Like, it, it just kind of has to happen. And you know, fifth place is certainly not bad by any means. Absolutely not. And, and I mean, Miller hanging on to that seventh place finish. Um, I I, I liked the going out hard. I, I thought she maybe went out a little too quick. I think like a half second slower yep. would have been perfect. That's an extremely hard thing to gauge when you are going out that quick. But I, I thought she gave herself the best chance at being really competitive. And at the end of the day, I mean, she was swallowed up by a very, very strong field and, and just didn't quite have enough strength to hold on uh, like she has before. Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, I, I should also hand up. I chose Claire Seymour mm. to win the national title. Sorry, but all things considered how incredible she's been in the postseason, She's allowed to have an off day. Yeah. She, she, she's done quite enough in her career where she's allowed to at least have one off day. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, losing, uh, you know, sleep over it, but not my best pick. So. And that was probably the biggest surprise of the the whole women's 800, her not qualifying. Yeah. I, I think she, I, we probably both felt very confident in her ability to qualify. Uh, and I think we both probably predicted her f- to finish very high up. So, uh, I mean, it was just the depth of this field I, I, at the end of the day. I mean, it was there's so many good people. There's so little margin for error, especially in some of those heats. Some of those heats were just stacked. Um, and you knew someone good was going to be left out. And unfortunately, this year, it was Seymour. Carly Thomas included. That was a, yeah. a little bit of a tough one. But um, again, like you said, it's just the nature of these fields. We knew someone was going to be. That you know, third heat was crazy. Incredible good. heat. One of the best prelim heats I've ever seen. It was it was incredible. Um, okay. 5K. Men's 5K. Olin Hacker taking home the win, getting his first NCAA title, edging out fellow Big Ten Runner Morgan Beetlescum finishing second, Nico Young finishing third, Kai Robinson fourth. You know what? We we came so close to just mm-hmm. nailing this race. If you swap mm-hmm. out Hacker and 
Brian Fay, and we have this thing dead to rights. It played out pretty similar to what we had talked about. It was a sub-13-30 time. Nico Young was right there, but didn't quite have a good enough kick to take home the win. And we saw guys like Robinson, Beetlescum, and Hacker run really well, have really big kicks. Um, I think Faye, a little bit of surprise to see him finish seventh. I, I think we both, did we both have him as our predicted champion? I, I had him, yeah. I did, I did as well. So for him to have a little bit of an off day, I thought this race would have set up really well for him. Still finishing seventh, uh, never bad to finish in that All-American race. But Hacker, my goodness, what a strong kick running 54-6 to close this 5K um, and just a wonderful way to cap his career at Wisconsin. And, and I mean, Beetlescum, you talked about it in your first thoughts. It was it, it was hard to cheer for whoever you wanted because both guys, it would have been so awesome for them to cap their career with this win. Um, just thrilled to see them both run as well as they did. Here's what I said about Hacker in our meet preview for the 5K. A legitimate challenger for the national title Hacker has run 13-19 this season and has to look sharper than ever, so much so that he may be able to contend for NCAA gold regardless of how this race plays out. Nailed it. Now, did I pick him? No, because that would just be too much of a slam dunk. I couldn't do that to you, Ben. Um, But ultimately, yeah, I mean, this race was pretty spot on. I was a little surprised that Nico Young was doing so much work near the front. Like he kind of got boxed in a few times. He was trying to keep pace with the leaders. And meanwhile, you kind of like Beetlescombe and Hacker were playing, were sitting a little bit further back. And they weren't necessarily always working up front. I did kind of question, I was like, if, if Nico Young is just maybe sitting back for a little bit longer, is this a different race? Maybe, um, maybe not. But um, overall, I mean, this was. I mean, it, it was an exciting finish, but generally speaking, like, it's not like a Kyoko went out there. It's not like Jacobs was upsetting someone huge. It was just kind of like, yeah, like this is kind of, it's kind of what we thought. I was surprised that Faye was a little bit as, as far back as he was, but um, I, I don't really know what to say about a field that we kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being a fun last 400. And I, I no. think that's kind of what we expected is it was going to be a, a kicker's race at the end. Um, a lot of these guys have run incredibly quick times, like you said, with Hacker, his 13-19 this year. And so you knew that there would be a lot of people there at the end, and it would just be who could finish the strongest. Um, it, it was a little surprising to me to see Robinson fall, fall back as, as much as he did. Um, I mean, he still finished fourth, but he was two seconds slower over that last 400 than Hacker. Um, but outside of that, I mean, those guys just closed the way we thought they would. Nico Young closed well, just not quite well enough. Beetlescum closed like the miler that we saw him to be in the indoor season. Yeah, that's it's all good points. Um, I personally believe that really Faye could have won this race if he had just oh, yeah. better positioned himself earlier. Like if he had just positioned himself earlier in this race, just a higher up in the pack, I, I, I think he wins. Um, maybe not wins. Maybe he just, maybe gets second. 
Um, he was two just, seconds back going into the final lap, and you just yeah. you can't you can't overcome that. He still ran fifty five four, which was the one of the faster lap final laps. But yeah, he was just not he he didn't put himself in contention. Yeah, so I I still like him a lot. I still think he's super valuable, especially with his range. Same thing with Robinson, but. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at this field. I want to shout out to Sam Gilman, another mm-hmm. guy whose speed clearly favored him in this field. And then Michael Power. So um, someone out, out there in the world uh, had told me, uh, hey, Michael Power, watch out. I'm like, okay, okay, sure. Again, uh, it's kind of like uh, the August training camp. Okay, yeah, I'm sure. But and, and, and to be fair, I you know I knew who Power was, I know he had run thirteen twenty nine earlier this yeah earlier this year I think at Stanford, yeah. um, he had a few decent fifteen hundred meter times somewhere in the three forty range, um, he was solid. Did I think he was gonna run this, and get sixth place? No, um, that was a really solid run from him. And then Osberg getting eighth um, behind Fay who finished seventh. Osberg that was awesome. I liked Osberg. You know. It just seems right that he got an All-American honor after all this time. It's good to see guys my age still still kicking it <laughs> at the NCAA and doing well. I, yeah, I, you, I you might be young, man. You might be young for Osberg. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, I, I thought Gilman and, and Power were the two surprises of the, the race. And, and I think they ran extraordinarily well. And I think Gilman, like you said, the, the kicking, the, the way it ended up being a kicker's race at the end was perfect. Uh, but let's move on. Women's 5K. Ascend to your throne, Caitlin Tui, because the time of coronation for the high school phenom has officially occurred with her winning her first NCAA title, running 15-18 to win the women's 5K. Parker Volby looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Race of her life up to this point. And I feel like we might be saying that almost every time she steps on the track over the next few years finishing second and taylor Rowe finishing third i i felt super good about our predictions here i i in our preview i put volby on the same tier as Rowe and tui felt extra like extremely good about that and i mean she looked even better than i even my highest hopes of her so in our last discussion, you said that Volby was a title contender and I completely shot it down. And I said, absolutely not. She may not, she may not have won the national title, but she was arguably the biggest winner of this race. Yep. And I hand up. I was wrong. You were right. I, I was wrong. That was awesome. It was so cool. I'm like, she actually gets in front of Tui with only a couple laps to go. And I'm like, oh my god, is she gonna outrun Caitlin Tui? <laughs> like, this is insane. Uh, it was one of the most impressive. I don't want to say like she was an underdog compared to Caitlin Tui, yes, mm-hmm. but just like it, it, it was the biggest. Um, it was kind of like the big biggest signal or indication of I don't care who you are. I'm going to not just run with you. I'm going to outrun you. It didn't work. She got second. But I, I think I have so much newfound respect for Volby. That was impressive. They were neck and neck for so long. It, I mean, it really was such a fun race to watch because you knew 
that Tui, I mean, had, was such a big favorite coming into this. You knew Volby doesn't have a lot of experience at this stage, and yet it did not seem to matter. The the level the the playing field seemed very level, um, and, and they just pushed each other to a great performances uh, from both of them. Um, a little little disappointing to see Abby Nichols out in sixth. Um, would have hoped to see her kind of be pushing in that range uh, with Taylor Rowe and Mercy Chen Legat. Um, but I mean, she still was an all American and I, I was really hoping that Roe was going to make it a three, three horse race there at the end, but she just wasn't ever able to quite stick with those top two, um, and, and was two seconds back going into the last 800. I thought she could have mixed it up with them if she could have just hung on for one more lap. But I mean, the top two just were so unbelievable on that day. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just a classic Caitlin two is better than the rest of the field kind of race. Mm-hmm. Um, even if Volby did make it, you know, interesting in the latter portions. Um, but but Tui is impressive. As for the rest of this field, I'll just say it. I have zero clue why Nichols decided to go for the 5K over the 10K. I'll never understand it. Same way while I never understand Nur choosing the 10K over the 5K. Um, like the 5K was like a race he could have, I don't want to say easily won, but it, he could have very much have won that. I'll never understand it. They're still incredible runners. So much respect for them. But um, Roe, I didn't think was probably a slower race is probably, it just benefits yeah. her. It, it was just too quick of a race. Also, this race was run in, in 15, 18, Point what? I'm not going to have it up right now. Point three nine. Point three gave me a big middle finger and said, "Here's the point four over that you needed." So, is um, mm-hmm. anyone who listened to uh, to our last podcast? I said the over under for this race would be fifteen eighteen. Good I line. said a great line. I said fifteen eighteen, and Ben's like, "No, no." No, and I thought I was going to have this to hold uh, against Ben's what steeplechase uh, argument, the steeplechase line. But no, Caitlin Tui just couldn't go 0.4 seconds faster. Had to take that 0.4 seconds to enjoy for herself. Very selfish of her. No, and all kidding aside, um, great race from her. And then Chalangot. I, I think Chalangot is borderline the MVP of this meet yeah. if Wayman doesn't run the collegiate record. Yeah, I mean, to come back after that 10K and to finish fourth, um, really impressive. I, I mean, there was a lot of people who came back and, and put down decent performances after that 10K, uh, which I was surprised about because, I mean, this was not slow, um, really quick times, a few PRs uh, amongst this group. Um, anybody you wanted to highlight a little bit further down in this list? I mean, Isabel Van Camp came into this meet with a 15.51 PR She's more of a miler historically, yeah. and now she drops a 15.35 in the most aerobic heavy 5K race we've seen, I don't want to say in a while, but it's definitely one of the faster you know, aerobic 5K yeah. races we've seen for her to run that well. And then finally, I just, I love this NC State team. It's so cool. They're just like, like they're all running at the front. Like they're all, like they're all in the mix. Um, and sure, only one of them was an All-American, Tui, but like Starlipper and Bush and Steelman were 9, 10, 11, 
And then down a little bit further, I think was uh, Shaw in 20th. But man, like it's this team's awesome. They're going to be so good again in the fall. Yeah, they're they, they would they might actually be better. Yeah, because I mean, Tui's going to be like legit star. Well, um, Tui's going to be yeah. legit. Stoliper's now in the mix, and Corzo's now proven she's great. I know <laughs> they're getting really good. Is Tui going to make it in the NC or going to be in the NCAA after next year? After next year, so yeah, after the spring of twenty twenty three. Yeah. Great question. Uh, I'll say no. I don't think so either. I don't think she's back. I, I yeah. think she wins. She if she wins, there's a good chance she wins a cross title and one more track title, and that's it. Well, one indoor, one outdoor. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And and, and the the crazy part is, is that I see. Here's the thing with the the titles. I could see her doing like a DMR three k. Yeah. At the indoor, get two titles there. Go to the outdoor season. I I think she's like because well is she a, is she a sophomore by L- yeah she has a sophomore yeah. by eligibility. I was gonna say because like when when is it that she now starts to consider the ten k? When does she consider the fifteen five k double? Um, uh, I think that's a little aggressive. I think the ten k five k is more reasonable. I I do too. But I I think that's a little bit more legendary. Oh, I I think I think if they start going for the Bowerman Award, then they go fifteen five k. Because that's that's how you win it. Yeah. If anybody could, I mean, after the the fifteen hundred that she threw down at ACCs, another year better. I'm not saying you're wrong. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. I'm I'm definitely agree with you. It could absolutely happen. Um, but now we're just getting ahead of ourselves. Um, that's it. That's it. Yeah. This is a long (laughs) podcast. Uh, do you have anything else? Nope. That's it. I, I, it was a fantastic NCAA meet. I enjoyed watching all of it. Uh, but I am equally as excited to start talking about cross, start talking about these dumb hypotheticals like we just were. Mm -hmm. Um, and also talk about all the, the coaching carousel, which I'm sure will be turning as well as all the transfers that we'll be seeing over the offseason. Yeah, so for everyone listening, uh, content coming up. Uh, this is released on a Tuesday night, so we'll go on Wednesday. Uh, we've got D1 rankings up. We've got D2 rankings up. Today on Wednesday, we'll release D3 rankings, and then it's D1, D2, D3, end-of-season awards. Uh, maybe we'll take a day off in between at some point. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Um Still deciding that, and then it's getting into trans. I have tons of transfer stuff, some that we can report, some that we can't. Um, we'll maybe do some discussion articles about some of the uh, coaching stuff. We'll do some features. We'll do. You know, I'm trying to think about doing some Q and A's. Um, maybe we'll try to get you know a few interviews, some podcast stuff. We'll obviously keep going on doing that. Um, you know, but then on our side, we've got to continue to reach out to to uh, coaches, reach out to programs and say, hey, who on your team is actually returning? You know, like, there's, there's sometimes you just don't know who's coming back with this uh, extra eligibility. Um, so we do have to do that. And then once we get that all cleared, D1, D2, D3, summer rankings.
individual rankings, top 50 for D1, top 25 teams for D1. It's going to be some exciting stuff. Can't wait. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. Um, so we got a lot of stuff coming up. There will be a, an occasional Saturday that we take off because there's only just so much that we can talk about in the summer. But when we get rolling, it's um, it's historically our best content, best traffic, um, and it's the thing that gets the most traction. And so, it's been two years since we've done it, and I can't wait to be years. doing it again. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be it's going to be really good. Um, but Ben. That's all I got. Alrighty. Well, this was a great season. Like I said, looking forward to next season, which begins next week. And I'll talk to you then. Talk to you.